For New York City, you know, I think that we are, you know, maybe the first city to begin to look at how we can take responsibility for the space of the internet itself. This is episode 254 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Finding ways for lower-income individuals and families to obtain high-quality internet access is a problem in most urban areas. As internet access becomes more central to our lives for everyday tasks, solving that problem becomes more immediate. In New York City, the Queens Bridge Connected Project is aiming to solve that problem. By working with a private sector partner and involving the community, this initiative will bring high-speed Wi-Fi to residents of Queen Bridge Housing, which is part of the New York City Public Housing Authority. In this interview, Christopher talks with Joshua Breitbart, who works for New York City. Joshua describes how the project has progressed, how they view the Queen's Bridge Connected project as a model for other parts of the city, and shares some of the lessons learned that have helped guide the project. Now here's Christopher and Joshua Breitbart talking about New York City's Queen's Bridge Connected Initiative. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, still in my hotel room, talking with another person from the Broadband Community Summit down here in Dallas, 2017. Welcome to the show, Joshua Breitbart, Senior Advisor for Broadband to the CTO of New York City. Hello, Chris. Good to be here. I'm excited to have you on the show. I've talked with you a few times. You've been doing a lot of interesting stuff. Um, I know you've been doing interesting stuff for many years, but you've gone from somebody who was doing interesting policy, sort of in the ground, grassroots, working with neighborhood groups, to working for the most powerful, most like amazing city in the world. So I'm interested to see what's going on. But um, maybe we can just start. Why are you down here in uh, Dallas for the Broadband Summit? Uh, well, uh Queensbridge Connected, which is um, our initiative in New York to connect all the residents of the Queensbridge houses to uh, high-speed broadband, is uh, won an award for most promising new plan from Next Century Cities and Google Fiber. Uh, we're very excited to come here and receive the award and learn from a lot of the other attendees here. Queensbridge Connected. Before we even start there, there's something that you said a, a long time ago that um, just stuck with me, and that's for people to get a sense. New York, I think maybe they think of Manhattan. Um, You said something along the lines of, you have to understand that like, if you just take one problem that you face, like one sort of subsector, like low income housing, that in aggregate is more people than most cities are in size. The New York City Housing Authority is the largest housing authority in the country. There are approximately 400,000 residents, which would put it on its own, I think, in the top 50 cities uh, in the country. Um, they live at about 328 different sites, 2,600 buildings, 180,000 or so apartment units. Uh, so it's um, uh, about 1 in 12 New York residents live in public housing. Uh, so it's, a, it's an important part of our, of our city. It's an important part of keeping New York affordable. The New York City Housing Authority, NYCHA, the, uh, the residents, you know, they are an important part of New York. And there are communities like the Queensbridge Houses, which in itself is the largest public housing development in the country, uh, with about 7,000 residents um, that you know are almost a neighborhood unto themselves. Uh, and you know this was a great opportunity to work with those residents uh, to um, establish a you know, real center of excellence for the city, where we could start to put into into practice the universally connected New York uh, that the mayor has set as a goal for 2025. 
So I just wanted to, to note, I mean, you have these challenges. You also have a unique challenge in that a lot of communities, they come to me and they say, we're trying to solve this problem. And I think, oh, well, you, you're similar to someone else. New York City is not similar to anyone else. <laughs> well, or, or in some ways, we're similar to everyone else. There might be one section of, of New York that is like a whole other city of 500,000 people and that, you know, 15, 16, 17 times throughout the city. Um, but uh, we also have uh, great people as part of the city. We, it's a real privilege to have the colleagues that I have. You know, other cities don't um, can necessarily bring together this, the same group of people. Uh, we have a, a fantastic mayor who's really committed to this issue. Um, and again, the you know the the residents are just um, you know great contributors and partners. I mean, I'm a I'm a New Yorker. It's where I grew up. It's a real great opportunity to contribute to my hometown. Um, and uh, you know, I love uh, I love going to work every day trying to solve these problems. As we start talking about Queensbridge Connected, I, I just want to know one other thing, and that's that um, you had worked previously with Maya Wiley, who um, I have a lot of respect for. Um, she, you know, she goes way back. So um, she's moved on to other things now. But I just wanted to make sure we honored all the work that she put into a lot of these things. Maya Wiley was uh, counsel to the mayor. She hired me into this, uh, into this position and um, gave me this opportunity and provided incredible leadership, you know, really the so the first time the city was really taking um, responsibility for broadband for all New Yorkers. Um, and um, we've been very fortunate that after she left, um, the, Miguel Gamino became the chief technology officer and uh, broadband was put into his office where I now work and I uh, work for him. And again, one of the great things about New York is you know great people come to work for our city. And so the opportunity to work uh, work with Maya and now work with Miguel is a great opportunity. So Queensbridge connected. Um, how did the project start? Maya had actually written about a project that um, that I had uh, helped some uh, called uh, Red Hook Wi-Fi that was ongoing for a number of years uh, before um, Mayor De Blasio uh, was elected. Also before Sandy came and, and I think everyone in the country that was paying attention to tech policy at least saw an article about it. It was a great community asset. Um, the community um, built it up, um, also continued to build it up after Sandy and really made it a, a part of their recovery and a part of strengthening their community, both from a tech sense as well as from a social sense. And um, Maya saw that as an example for how broadband could help low-income communities in New York. Uh, she wrote an article telling the mayor, telling the mayor what she thought about that. <laughs> uh, and the mayor uh, saw that article and asked her to lead up this broadband effort. Um, and so, you know, Queensbridge, uh, Queensbridge Connected was the first time that we tried to apply the lessons from Red Hook Wi-Fi, which was a, a, a totally community-led effort and um, how to do that from a city-led uh, perspective, which really is the first step towards thinking about how the city can, can do something like that at scale. So we took a lot of the lessons from, from Red Hook in terms of community engagement in everything from designing the initiative to actually participating in the installation of the, uh, of the equipment. Um, and I think that we've been very successful in incorporating those lessons into Queensbridge Connected, and that's part of why we're getting recognized with this award at the Broadband Community Summit. So if I could exaggerate for a second, I feel like as a policy person thinking about how to solve low-income access, I think there's this dream of 
you see a community that, that has this desire, you come, you, you put the technology up, you make it available, people are happy, there's parties in the streets, problem solved. Uh, there's a really good Wired article that talked about some of the lessons that were learned, and I got the sense that that um, you know you can't just sort of wander in, throw wireless access points around, and the problem is done. There, there are a few steps there. I think what New York is recognizing is, first of all, we've moved past this idea that the infrastructure is all fine in urban areas. You know, in fact, it's not all fine. In fact, uh, it's there's quite a lot of disparity and inequity. Uh, and we've put some effort into um, measuring that so we can really point to what those inequities are. One of the things that I think cities often, you know, you have someone that's in power, they really want to get things done, and they may understand problems, and they may not go to the, ch- the trouble of really empirically documenting rigorously that there's a problem. But you guys did that. Well, yeah, and, and we continue to do that. And, I, and, and there's an issue with infrastructure um, and some inequities there. Uh, also, um, uh, you know, if you go talk to people about how what their consumer experience is, they will generally tell you that they are not satisfied. That maybe was an okay situation when broadband was something for a you know a small fraction of of the city before every homework assignment had homework components for kids. But broadband broadband is now an essential utility, and that means cities have to take some responsibility for making sure that uh, that all residents are connected to it and that all residents are getting equitable service. Uh, and yeah, that does require um, uh, some some form of uh, empirical data and. Um, you know, in some ways, we have to invent that field. You know, the there is helpful information in the American Community Survey and the FCC Form 477 data, um, but it's not enough. So we're just looking at how we can um, build on that and um, develop our own measures that really match to the principles that we have of um, of equitable, affordable high-performing service that, and that residents have choices for those, uh, for those services. Great. So getting back to explicitly about the, the Queensbridge project, I guess one of the things that we should really just cover is very explicitly what it does, just in a sort of elevator pitch. What, it, what problem is it solving? So Queensbridge Connected is a free high-speed Wi-Fi throughout the entire Queensbridge community uh, plus a number of initiatives to support the residents to make use of that free service. And the size of the community? So there's 7,000 residents uh, across basically six city blocks, about um, 96 buildings. The scale is just amazing. <laughs> it's like probably the size of like St. Paul's downtown, I mean, <laughs> to exaggerate a little. But uh, it, it, is, it is sizable, and it, the buildings were built in the 1930s. Um, so this is a, a retrofit. You know, there are some existing wiring that we could make use of uh, in the installation, but uh, that's certainly one of the challenges with New York City public housing. But at Queens Ridge, there's a great community leadership from the Tenant Association. Uh, there's a really great um, community organization called Jacob Resettlement. Um, we, re- we refer to those on-site um, organizations as cornerstones in New York for the NYCHA communities. So through them, we're also able to bring in older adults technology services, which has provided uh, training to some of the seniors. And there too, the you know, OATS went door to door, talking to people about what kind of services they wanted, what they wanted training in. They designed a curriculum and they're now on their third iteration of that curriculum. And they're focusing on things like health. In addition to digital literacy skills, 
how they can use Fitbits to be more healthy, how they can use digital tools to be more engaged in uh, community organizing to make changes in their community. Uh, so it's, um, again, real, a real focus on, on the Queens Ridge residents and uh, how they can be the leaders of this initiative. So there's, there's several things there I want to follow up on. Um, one is the going door to door, because I think, again, in this exaggeration of, of what a public policy person might think, it's a sense of everybody wants broadband. And if you're in a place where you can't afford it, it's suddenly available for free, you're just going to want it. But one of the lessons I, I gather from that Wired article that talked about this, that I'm sure we'll link to in the, in the show notes, was that you know, there's a history and people don't necessarily trust someone just coming to their door or, or, or just getting a pamphlet in the mail that says, here's this thing, go and use it. Yeah, and nor should they. So from the beginning, we knew that, that we wanted to look for every opportunity to, um, to engage the residents as the leaders and drivers of this project. Uh, so um, in you know, finding the, the, the vendor, we wanted a, a partner that was going to do that. So Spot On Networks hired Queens Ridge residents uh, to work on the project, both as ambassadors to go talk to people at, about the project, explain why they might need to put a wireless access point in their apartment. Uh, also um, hired um, somebody with, with an IT background who had been through a training program sponsored by the city, uh, hired that person to be involved as a technician and do the installation. And, you know, yeah, part of that is, is, is building trust, you know, just to get access to people's apartment. It's very practical. But it also does lead to um, a much more robust set of impacts of the of the project because now you're you're giving people not just a way to connect to the global internet and all that has to offer, but a way of actually strengthening their local community. So so by installing a Wi-Fi network, you're connecting people you know who live next door to each other, not just uh, you know those people separately to the world. That's one of the things that I find really promising because I think a lot of us are afraid of the way that internet can pull us away from community. One of the things that just several conversations recently have brought back is that this local organizing has uh, spillover benefits for other things. It just makes the neighborhoods, um, the housing units better, like people better know their neighbors. Strong social fabric is key to so many things. We worked with NYCHA to pick a, a community where there was that community leadership already in place that we could really build on. Um, but that's a really uh, key component. But uh, I think you're also touching on some of the increasing challenges of the internet and the way it can uh, really fray uh, relationships and have some negative uh, social impacts, um, whether it's exposing people to um, to loss of privacy, to online abuse and harassment. And in particular, let's be very clear about this, communities of color and women. I mean, you and I are white guys. Um, and it's amazing when you look at studies of people like you and I, if we change our avatar, the way people respond to the things that we tweet regularly changes. And and this is something that is just, um, I think a lot of us being white guys making policy aren't familiar with. So So it's not just something where you think, oh, well, no one harasses me. Well, change your avatar for a few days, say some provocative things and see what happens. Even the same experience of harassment is not even experienced the same way. And then if you, that's certainly compounded if you are um, low income, your time is restricted, your um, equipment access is restricted, your digital literacy skills uh, might also be limited. So all these things really compound um, those, those problems and, and you're right, create um, disparate impacts for communities of color, low-income communities, many other groups. And so for New York City, 
we're recognizing this and you know i think that we are you know maybe the first city to to begin to look at how we can take responsibility for the space of the internet itself so the chief technology officer and the um chair of the of the city's human rights commission are convening a working group to to review what the city is doing to address uh, some of these issues um, where, you know, in a place like Queensbridge, the city can take a strong role in what the privacy policy is, what open internet policies are, and really shows the importance of the city being um, involved, certainly now that we see that the federal government is, is walking back from that, uh, from that role. Uh, so all these things really are heightening the need for cities to be very much involved in the, not just the delivery of service, but in making sure that their residents have a good experience on the internet. Right. And I think that's just worth worth noting. I mean, I think a lot of us would like it if cities could just focus on infrastructure and walk away. But the reason we're focusing on infrastructure is to create good outcomes. And those good outcomes won't necessarily just happen because there is more ubiquitous Wi-Fi available. That's absolutely right. And I think what we see in Queensbridge Connected is that the best outcomes come from when you do those things in tandem. You're embedding the work with the residents to identify what the best experience is, uh, and you're installing the technology and building out the infrastructure with the residents as part of that same process. Doing those two things together are, is really how you get um, the most out of the internet in terms of uh, positive impact for your community and your city. Um, and what we've seen at Queensbridge is um, is the way that the the role that the city can play in that in that process, working with the New York City Housing Authority, with our Department of Information Technology and Telecommunications with our nonprofit partners, with the Resident Association. And now we want to see how we uh, expand on those lessons and um, you know, move towards the, the goal of universal broadband for all New Yorkers. Sure. You have a history of, of way back into the, the, what we called Muni Wi-Fi in the day, of looking at these and finding that when you try to just provide the technology and, you, and you're just kind of like over the community and you're, you're not really within the community, it just doesn't work out. So it's not like you're, you're sort of coming at this afresh. This is something that it's uh, been, a, been a while. You have some experience with. Uh, let's, let's say a lot of people contributed to learning these lessons. In the early days of, of cities being involved in, in broadband with wireless Philadelphia, for example, there was a robust uh, community engagement process that led to a plan. Um, that then they veered away from to involve a, um, a corporate partner, Earthlink, uh, to deliver the service. And at that point, there was really this this fallout of community leadership, community engagement, um, and a real loss of a sense of ownership on the part of the community. And that was a real contributor to the to the downfall of that project. There were other problems in terms of you know density of the nodes, predatory pricing by the competitors, the way that Brainstorm was uh, set up with the nonprofit partner, and you can link to the report in the show notes as well. Um, but in any major technology project, you're going to have steps at the beginning where you're going to need the community to continue to support as you iterate through those challenges to move towards success. Um, and if you um, aren't working in close partnership with the community, you're not going to retain that support. Uh, and so that was a really important lesson there. And I think New York and other cities have really seen the importance of that. Great. Well, thank you for coming on and telling us more about the program and the lessons learned. All right. Thank you, Chris. 
That was Joshua Breitbart talking about New York City's Queens Bridge Connected Project. We have transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcasts at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and all of the podcasts in the ILSR family on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Never miss out on our original research? Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks for listening to episode 254 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Podcast.